The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. Welcome to Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union. I'm JT. Here's Q Myers and Lincoln Kennedy is going to join us. Excited to have Lincoln back. lot to get to. The Raiders lose. Cue to the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot went wrong on Sunday night football, a game I thought the Raiders needed. Yeah. They should have been able to win the game, and they came up short. And this is something we're going to spend a few minutes here as we open up before our sound bites, some of the highlights, and Lincoln comes on. I want to begin by what happened at the end of the game because that's what everybody's talking about. For You're sure. at the press conferences here. The decision to kick the field goal and then try to get the ball back on defense. I disagreed with the call as soon as it happened. I still disagree with it, but I understand why Coach McDaniels did it. Right. He wanted to win the game after the three and try to put the game away. And he put it on his defense to get a stop, and it didn't happen. But, wow, a big decision here because the Raiders were right down there in the red zone with an opportunity to tie the game and get eight. It's one of those that you can go back and forth a lot and yeah. decide, you know, the analytics side of things, you know, what makes more sense, what gives you the better percentage chance of winning. And I'm with you. I didn't like the call when it happened. I understand both sides of it in the conversation. Um, you know, I think that the the fourth and or the 15-yard penalty that Pittsburgh got on the very first field goal attempt changed the game, mm-hmm. right? The, the Raiders make the field goal, and then they decide to take the points off the board. At that point, I think it's you got to score a touchdown. 100%. The reason they took the points off the board was to score a touchdown. Right. So then they had pretty good field position. What bothers me is what happened with the play calling after they got the first down on the 15-yard leverage call. The sequence of events after that, I don't think they were aggressive. I don't think it was unique. I don't think they took advantage of the star power that they had. Jimmy Garoppolo being a solid red zone quarterback. Devontae, who was having an unbelievable game. And at that point, I just think they were in a position to try to attack, and they didn't. They checked down with Josh right? because Jimmy was on under tremendous pressure at that point, yeah. tremendous pressure. Then the sideline throw to Devontae Adams, which we'll get to in a moment, I didn't even think he thought it was coming at him. No, I mean, no, there's no I don't way. know what that was. There was nothing he could do with it, even if he caught it. Yeah, right? he I mean, he, he's just like, what are you doing? He should have been running an end zone route. Right. And the one play that bothered me more than anything was the fact that Jimmy threw it out of bounds to Jacoby Myers and it was uncatchable. Yeah. He made a great diving catch, but he was nowhere near in bounds. And that's what was troublesome there because I thought at that time they could have made a play and had multiple shots at right. the end zone. And they took one shot at the end zone and it wasn't a high percentage play. And it wasn't a real shot. Right, exactly. And so you have the weapons. And this is something, JT, we've talked about so much about the offensive weapons that they have between Devontae, Jacoby, Hunter, who could be used in the red zone. I mean, there's so many different guys that could be used and the ball just didn't go into the end zone. And that's something I was looking forward to this year, seeing Jimmy G thread the needle into the end zone and make a play. And it just didn't happen at the end. And again, I felt like once you took those points off the boards, you were telling your team, we're going for this touchdown right now, one way or the other. We're going to get it, or we're going to fail trying to get it. And ultimately, they kick a field goal again, and I just didn't think there was enough time. Yeah, remember, the Raiders had a 7 nothing lead. We're looking at the Austin touchdown for our viewers yeah. who are watching roundtable there. Two safeties can't get beat down the middle of the field. That's a breakdown yep. in coverage. And then the play of the game, Marcus Peters in a 7-7 game drops a pick six, and that's a physical mistake, not a mental mistake. His mind put him in the great spot. Right. He read it to the whole pick way. That off yeah. and he just dropped it and that's really unfortunate because that was a 10 point swing. Right. Cuz they came down and got a field goal on that drive and the Raiders missed seven. And I really think if you look back at the game and nothing personal against Marcus, he dropped the ball. I 
I mean, a lot of times he picks that off and brings it to the house, but I thought that was the biggest impact play that got away. Yeah, I mean, he had the moment to, to make the play, and you know that in his mind he knew exactly what to do with yeah. it. I mean, his, again, he had the break on the ball. He read it better than the wide receiver did. I mean, he had that perfectly, uh, just didn't complete the play. And that's something that Max Crosby said to us in the, in the locker room following the game. We've got to have guys not only know the play, execute the play, but finish the play. He just didn't finish. Yeah, we're looking at one of Jimmy Garoppolo's interceptions where he's almost brought down by Watt. And it was a bad interception. I mean, basically he threw it to the Steelers on that play. And I got to give Pickett credit. He made plays outside the pocket, as we see here, rolling to the left, picking up critical first downs when they need to. And I'm looking at Kenny Pickett throughout the game, and just when you think he's ready to go off the field, he makes a play. And he did that at Christmas Eve last year and won the game when he was trailing. But Raiders were in this game early, as we're looking at. It's the second quarter Pittsburgh goes up. 10-7 10-7 with 8.33 to go. This game wasn't out of control at any point in the game, but it just felt like the Raiders couldn't get that offense going. Yeah, that's the thing about it. Sitting in the press box watching this game, I felt like, okay, it feels like the Steelers should probably be up by more than they are because, again, the Raiders' uh, offense just never got into a rhythm, but they weren't. And then the Raiders were right there at the end uh, with an opportunity to go down there and potentially tie the game. And so you know that they had the chance to you know, to steal one at the end, and it just it didn't come to fruition. But uh, they were right there hanging around throughout the of the course of the game. We're looking at Jimmy G on a play where Watt had him on the ground, his back bent back, and his head went to the ground. Jimmy was under constant duress. Yeah. And I'm telling you, the offensive line, this has got to be a gut check for them. Yeah. Because they got manhandled in Buffalo. They had a week of what was supposed to be a hard practice and a gut check week looking in the mirror, and they got pushed around by the Steelers. So I'll tell you this, the Steelers and the Buffalo Bills have two of the best fronts mm-hmm. in all of football. Right. And those fronts took advantage of the Raiders' offensive line, and that's starting to be a problem now. They can't establish the run, right. and at times Jimmy Garoppolo did not have— here's a, here's a mistake by Jimmy, just w- should throw it away into yeah. the fifth row. That's the second interception of the game there. That one's on Garoppolo. Right, that's one of those why Jimmys, right? Yeah. And, and we heard about it leading up to him being a, a starting quarterback for the Silver and Black, that there's going to be a throw or two a game that you say, why Jimmy? And that was one of them. you just got to make better decisions with the ball. you got to protect the ball at all costs. Yeah, the Raiders, with the effort, I want to make this point clear, because this is a hard Hard week on the radio. The fans are very critical. I've been very critical. You know, it's not because of a lack of hustle. I don't know if it's a scheme issue or if I just don't know if they're playing better opponents who are getting the best of them. The Buffalo game is a throwout game. They got dominated in the second half. This was a game they were in the entire time, but when they had to make a play, Hunter Renfro wide open a lot this year. Finally, he checks and sees him across the middle of the field. It just doesn't seem like the entire team, offense and defense, are playing to you as a unit. No, they're not. There's no, there's not much confidence. I'm a body language guy like you guys yep. are. He, they, these guys walk off the field after a three and out. They just need someone to lift them up and make a play when it matters. The thing is, is there's been no consistency. You know, the defense will have moments where they play really well, and then the offense won't be able to compliment them. And then there's times where the offense plays really well and the defense can't compliment them. The goal that they're trying to establish is to make sure that they're all playing at the same level uh, at the same time, and, and they're able to compliment each other. And 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 you know what, Coach McDaniel. Daniels won it at the end of the game. You know, the offense to score, and then boom, get the ball back to the offense again. Defense, get the ball back, and then them go do it again. Just wasn't able to happen, and that's been the disconnect all season. Yeah, we just looked at the two-point conversion of Michael Mayer, who was wide open on that play. Yep. So when you look at that, he can get open here. Devontae was the target for most of the day. I'm fine with that. I've told you, if I said it once, I said it a thousand times, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. If, if there's going to be one mistake, if there's too many targets going to Devontae, I could live with that. 
But as we take a look at the sequence now, as we catch up to it here, uh, Carlson's first field goal is good. That was not an easy kick. We're no. just 47 used to yards. It. We're just yeah. used to it. Now there's a high leverage play here, a uh, legal play. Now they start off. Now watch the check down here. Jimmy's looking. He's under pressure. How he got that out, I don't know. He almost took a sack. Right. There it is. Clock running at 304, 303, 302. Where's the sense of urgency to get up to the ball? Right. They, they get up to the ball on this play. Jimmy looks left. Has to throw it over 44. Devontae almost looks like he doesn't see it. No. And then on this play, look at the duress he's under. He threw it away. Right. He threw that ball away yep. when someone should have been cutting across the middle of the field. Right. And there should have been a way. I'm not talking about Montana and the catch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throw yeah. It out, but <laughs> yeah. He threw, Montana right. threw that ball in play. Yeah. And Dwight Clark and Dwight went made together. A great play. We got Devontae. Right. Throw the ball in play to Devontae and let him go up like Dwight Clark. He might come down with it. Give him a chance. Yeah, give him a chance. And that was the thing. Just There was no chance. There was no real true shot into the end zone. That one to Jacoby, as you mentioned, was a throwaway. And it just the sequence of play calling just didn't work out. And then ultimately they kick a field goal, which again, I didn't agree with it. I understand the analytics side of things sometimes, and you can go back and forth, but I thought that the right decision was to go for the touchdown. I would have been fine with everything. I, I don't have a problem with anything on this other than the play calling down at the goal line. Right. Kick the field goal. I get it now. The, the second field goal, I understand why they kicked it. They had no confidence right. in what they were running at that point. Well, that, and, in that case, they should have just kept the points on the board to begin with, right, and, kept, and saved the extra time. Absolutely, but I'll push back on one thing. That was such a significant 15-yard penalty right. that they had to take the points off. Right. And they do, and that just, as you said before we came on, it just ate another minute right. for the Raiders. So, again, let's point this out and be respectful about it. That's all I ask. is ever, I understand why Josh McDaniels did it. He wanted to win the game. For he sure. wasn't looking to tie the game. He thought, you take the three now, he'll get a stop. The defense didn't give him the stop. They lost the game. Right. What does he learn from that going forward? I like to take topics and push them forward. Mm-hmm. We know what happened. Yeah. It's been chaos all week talking about this field goal scenario. Now going forward, I don't think Josh McDaniels ever do that again. Right. I don't know if we, but I know they're going to be more aggressive when they're inside the 10 yard line and the game's on the line. I can promise you that. Well, I'll tell you, and I asked him on Monday in the press conference, you know, about that decision. You know, is it one that you go back and forth with? And he said he totally understands it, right? And it is something that he thinks about. And, you know, there's there's been many fourth down plays that he went for it so far in the young season, and he has. So, you know, it's just one of those, it's a feel type thing. And that's yeah. what coaches do. That's why they get paid the big bucks, and I don't. Sure. Because, you know, that's they're in the hot seat to do that. And so you're right. He probably will go back and forth a couple times if that scenario pops up again later on in the season, you'll probably see a different outcome. I'd just like to see that once the team gets into the red zone, and Jimmy G's in protocol, as you all know, so we'll see what happens this Mm -hmm. week. If this team, the only chance I believe this team has, only chance of being a playoff team, is having an explosive offense. So the next time they get a first and goal or a second and goal at the eight-yard line, run the plays in this building that ran all week, spread everybody out, Bring Trey Tucker in motion. Have Michael Mayer run an out route. Yeah. Hunter underneath. Devontae crossing with Jacoby. Right. And I think someone will be wide open. Right, cause some chaos. Yeah, yeah for I sure. Think, you got to cause some so. chaos. Sometimes you got to have some magic tricks in the backfield. Mm-hmm. You've got to do some things, you know, some window dressing to get creative in the red zone. But that was what Jimmy G was brought in for because he is a good red zone quarterback. Yeah, I, I think Jimmy G's having a tough start to the season because Agreed. if you look at Buffalo – and especially Pittsburgh, those defensive lines got to him. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to have a lot to do coming up and going forward on what it's going to look like with this offensive line. And we got one of the greatest Raiders offensive linemen of all time. Lincoln Kennedy was in the booth on the call. I know he's going to have a lot to say as we continue on Raiders Roundtable. 
four. Steelers bring five. Garoppolo fires to the back corner of the end zone. No chance for the Myers made an unbelievable attempt to bring it in. But it's fourth down, and this time I assume they're, oh, they're going to kick the field goal again? They're going to bring out the field goal unit with 2.25 to go. I mean, I, I understand what the possibilities are. Absolutely. I, I mean, I totally understand it. I would just be worried I'm not getting the ball back again. Three timeouts, two-minute warning. Got four chances to stop it. And we're so conditioned now to aggressive football where everybody goes for everything. From 26, Carlson makes it. There were no flags. It's 23 to 18. Plenty of time. You just have to make a defensive stop here now. If you don't make it, Sometimes it happens, mm -hmm. but like J.J. was saying earlier, now the team is backed up, mm -hmm. right, with a young quarterback. And we have Max Crosby mm -hmm. with timeouts, mm -hmm. with more time on the clock. So, yeah, you know, this is going to be questioned for a while. You know, my mama always told me, son, you don't win no fights when you don't throw no punches. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you, you, get, you get what I'm saying? So if yeah, you get into, if you get into a dog fight, you, you got to throw a punch if you're going to win. For me, the punch might not land, right? But we got to throw it. You know, we are at home. It is the first game. We are at home, right? The crowd behind us, like, we at least got to throw our punch. And if we don't connect, they on the 10-yard line, yeah, yeah. right? And I don't believe that sprint left option is in the plan with that young quarterback if they're on the 10-yard line. I believe that they are going to run this ball three times. You have three timeouts and a two-minute warning. You're going to get it with favorable field position with a chance to go score and send it into overtime. Yeah. Now, we are sitting up here. I coach you little kids football. Two parents always come to me after the game. You should have did this. And you should have did that. Well, this is what I wanted to do at the moment because this is what I thought was best. So we all are better at calling the game after yes. the game is over. Yes. That, that's understood. Yeah. But yes. we in that point hindsight. of the game right there, I feel offensive coordinator, yeah, really good offensive players. Yeah, take a shot. Let's throw our punch. Yeah. Take a shot. Yeah, that's James Jones and Eric Allen, Amber Theo Harris. Welcome back to Raiders Roundtable as we bring in Lincoln Kennedy as we've been talking about that sequence of downs, Lincoln. And you jump in. You saw it. You heard it. You heard the analysis. What did you think of the time in the booth with Jason Horowitz? Well, you know what? I was always taught you don't take points off the board. But when you get a first down inside the opponent's 20-yard line red, red zone, then one would think that you it's it's appropriate to take it. Now, coming out of it, I mean, you can question the play calling, more importantly, the execution. But, guys, I think about this time, I I have a hard time disagreeing with the way it went, mainly because when you're faced with a fourth and four or more, the way the offense has been struggling to, on, on that night against Pittsburgh's defense, I, I don't know if we get it. I don't know if you have enough in the arsenal or have you shown enough at this particular point to say that I've got a fourth down and five play that I know will get five yards. So when you we look just at haven't seen it out of this offense. Right. No, no, you're right about that. And you mentioned not taking the points off the board, and that was my point. If you're gonna kick the field goal, I felt like just leave the points on the board, at least you give yourself more time. Once you did take those points off the board, I felt like it was touchdown or nothing. Well, but here's the thing, Q, when you're faced with an automatic first down, I mean, let, let's face it, the 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 call on the attempted field goal where they where they, they gave the Steelers a penalty. When we looked at it, the replay, I was like, I don't see it, right. but we'll take yeah. it. Yeah, you know, right. where right. it's not too often that the Raiders give a, a gimme like that. So you get an automatic first down. I can understand. It's not like you're moving the ball up five yards. He still got fourth down and something to go. You get an automatic first down. 
So you're back to the drawing board where you say, look, I got three plays to try to get it in and then go for the, and then go for the field goal right there. I mean, you can question the judgment. You can mm-hmm. question the way everything fell. I just feel that at this particular point, your quarterback is shook because he's been hit a couple of times. And I don't know if the, if you honestly have a play in your arsenal that you can call, that's going to get those five yards. So you have to take the field goal after after you uh, fail at three points at uh, three times. Uh, Lincoln, here's what concerns me on the Devontae touchdown before the Michael Mayer two point conversion. He was in motion. He came in motion, ran that little head fake, turned in wide open touchdown. Could not have been any easier. Why don't you run it again? I mean the exact play. I've been telling you how many times run the plays that we run here that work. That play worked perfectly. He came in motion. He made a little head fake move, wide open, easy touchdown. Well, why not run it again instead of the plays that they ran with the game on the line? I don't know why if something works easily, why you don't run it again. I know Tomlin's good. He's going to make adjustments. But do something off the play that worked the first time, especially with Mayer and Renfro, who are supposed to be really good red zone targets. Well, those are the ones you have to get involved, if you ask me. I think if you would have came back with that same look with Devontae Adams, the Steelers would have changed up the coverages. Or they they might they might have changed up, did something different, maybe jumped on the inside, knowing that you want to go to number seventeen. The fact is, is that after this time, we're only in three games in the season. But guys, this offense is incredibly predictable because the same three teams have taken things away that the Raiders have done well. It started with Denver. They're key to how to take up take Josh Jacobs out, and you follow with the next two games, Buffalo and Pittsburgh. They did the exact same thing. So until we make adjustments on our side and get a little bit more physical, we're not going to have a receiver to dig out that safety or that unblocked player that seems to be coming off the backside making tackles. And the, the fact is that Josh Jacobs is making cuts in the holes. You're not getting anything effectively done running between the tackles. So, you know, when you talk about plays that are, I can sit there and say, look, we're either going to try, you know, Devontae Adams, either a back shoulder throw or a deep end route if we have time. Um, those are pretty much the only two routes that we've seen out of him uh, throwing to him so far. And and Jacoby Myers picks up a little bit of the slack, but you still haven't seen enough out of Hunter Renfro. You still haven't seen enough out of your tight ends. Um, there's a reason for that. But, you know, the reason to me, the Raiders have got to develop a better three-man game uh, receiving the ball because, let's face it, they're probably going to have more times than not where they have to go max protection. And you think about the numbers. You're keeping two in to help out your five offensive linemen. Yep. You only have three eligible receivers that you're going to send out, right? you got to do something better with the combinations with that, knowing what you have to deal with. You know, Lincoln, I wanted to go to that run game and the fact that it just hasn't got cooking. And at the end of the game against Pittsburgh on Sunday night, Josh started to get a little bit of wiggle. I don't know if that was the defense, uh, the way the Steelers were playing him, or if he actually started to get a little bit of juice going. But how do they get this thing jump-started? Because they desperately need that run game going. Hugh, you've got to be more physical in the interior. Your interior three, your center and your two guards have got to be more physical. And that's what the Raiders seriously lack. They seriously lack that just nose-blowing slobber knocker Mm -hmm. who's going to go out there and knock you on your ass. They don't have that. You know, they had it when they had Richie Incognito. They had it when they had Kevin Gogan, Steve Wisniewski. I'm going back to some of the great guards that I played along with and watched. You know, you need that attitude run. And if you don't have it, it's hard to in inside, especially with as good as these defensive tackles are. When you watch the game against the Raiders, they're not winning the line of scrimmage. This is something they were able to do last year. And this is one of the reasons why Josh Jacobs had the success he did. But they're not winning the line of scrimmage. The line of scrimmage is being controlled by the opposing defenses. And you've got to find a way to get that, whether it's double teams at the point, 
you keep people in, you're going to have to get better uh, blocking out of your tight ends if you're going to run double teams at the point. But that's exactly that's exactly what the Raiders do. If you turn the page and look at the way the Steelers did, the reason why Warren, their back number 30, had more success than Najee Harris, if you watch the end zone tape, you'll see the Steelers double teaming at a point, creating a natural hole that Warren would hit right away. Najee Harris would dance a little bit back in the backfield, and that's one of the reasons why he struggled. But the runs that he did go straight downhill and hit those holes were ones that he saw definitively in front of him without dancing, hitting those holes right now. Josh Jacobs mm-hmm. has to dance. Half the time he gets the handoff, he's he's already being approached by a defender. He has to dance in the backfield. Yeah, I'm shocked by these stats. Rushing yards last uh, tied for last with zero rushing touchdowns. Yards per carry, 2.9. That's 30th. Mm. And the rush attempts are 29th. So if you look at it, they're not even attempting to no, run it. they can't. They're, yeah. they're right. getting out of it. I want to just share something with you. Monday Night Football, when we saw Philadelphia, the NFC champs, play last night, I'm watching it, and uh, Brian Baldinger, who you know well from NFL Network, he did his baldy breakdown of Jason mm. Kelsey. And Kelsey was getting off the ball at center. And on every play, he was getting to the linebacker and destroying the linebacker. So not only did he win Lincoln at the point of attack against the tackle, getting him out of the way for the hole, he was finding a linebacker and putting his hands on him. I haven't seen that happen once. So for Andre James, who's here and they've dedicated to him, and he's a big part of this team, he's got to get going in the middle. He's got to get to the next level. And as you pointed out perfectly, I just see them losing and going backwards when last year they were going forward and they were asserting dominance and taking control of this league. Well, that's absolutely right. And another thing I think they fall short on as a whole is just their overall communication. Now, I'm not talking about Andre James. Look. The, the, the theory of the way it used to be, and I'm sure it hasn't changed, but I'm not on the sidelines like it used to be, is that the, the center would come up to the line of scrimmage and he would call out the most dangerous linebacker. That would tell your offensive line, we've got four, the down linemen, and we've got the most dangerous linebacker. That's who I'm focusing on. Unless the quarterback changes it, that's pretty much all the communication needs to go. Where it comes, where it falls short is at the tackle spots. Colton Miller and Jermaine Illuminor need to step up and they need to look up and say, you know what? We've got a safety in the hole. Either tight end you're working with me or, hey, Jimmy, bring in a receiver to date, dig out the safety in the hole because there's another man that we can't block or we don't have assignment for. Somebody's got to call that out. you got to call out communication. And to be honest with you guys, I think they need to take it back to elementary school where you go out and you point at the guy. I got, I got him. Yeah, you yeah, got him. Yeah. You got him. So everybody knows. And when there's one that comes up short, the back knows that oh, I got him. You need to do that because right now the communication has fallen short, as well as the dominance that you're talking about, JT, of working the line of scrimmage up to the second level and getting there quickly. They're not doing a good job at blocking the box. That's what comes down to it. Blocking the box are usually the interior defensive linemen, the defensive linemen, as well as the linebackers, the ones that the offense can block along with the tight end. They're not doing a good job at blocking the box. There's always some leakage or somebody that's getting through the holes quicker than 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 what would be expected. Lincoln, let's flip over to the other side of the ball. Talk about the defense and they come up with plays every once in a while. They're able to get off the field every once in a while, but it's just inconsistent. You know what Max brings to the table, but everyone else has just kind of been inconsistent so far defensively. What are you seeing from the booth uh, when? You're you're looking at the Raiders defense well Max needs help you know the fact this team doesn't have a whole lot of sacks doesn't have any turnovers 
really aids to the fact that they're a one and two record. I mean, when you lose a turnover battle, it's hard to win football games. Um, you know, I, I think the whole dynamic of the game would have changed if Marcus was able to take that interception in for a touchdown, mm -hmm. but it fell right through his hands. And that's just the bad luck the Raiders are having. You know, you 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 end up having something like that, and then you give up a 72-yard touchdown. You know, you get burned on the backside when you're thinking your safety's supposed to be in the home, and he's got other he's got other uh, intentions. This goes back to the lines of communication. You know, this team was fired up in the preseason. We saw them during yeah. training camp. We saw them talking trash to the teams that they were playing against, and they were playing with an unbelievable attitude and energy. And right now, it's hard to duplicate that as far as defense because one, they're out there for the last two games far too long. The offense, the inept attitude out of the offense, not being able to generate plays and generate a lot of first downs, kept the defense on the field for quite a while. And then, you know, you can only expect when you see, you know, what they're trying to do defensively. Patrick Graham is trying to rush blitzes. If he's going to play man-on-man -man coverage, well, then you're going to see those crossing routes come into view, like we saw on Sunday night against the Steelers. And I, like I said, I wish we ran more of them, but we don't. It is what it is. But there are teams out there that run them. They run them really well. And I think Pittsburgh gave us a taste of that as yeah, well. Yeah, we just saw a tight end get off on a Raider linebacker. Yeah. How often have we seen that? And right. I like the way Diablo's playing. I do. But right there, if you look at what's happening here in the league, what jumps out at you, takeaways, zero. Right. Uh, that's last in the league, tied for last in the league. It's incredible that this has happened. And, again, Marcus Peters dropping that ball. We've been hard on that. We've talked about it a ton on yep. Raider Nation Radio yep. in here today. So let's just say that won't happen again. He'll make plays. But the sacks tied for 24th. So, Lincoln, I knew this was going to happen with Ja'Korian Bennett. He was going to get beat a couple of plays. He's going to flash. That's who he is. But I love the fact that they're leaving him on the field. Okay, they're leaving him on the field. Look, this is a rookie. We're going to play him. He's a foundational piece under Dave Ziegler going forward. Don't touch him. He gets burned once or twice a game. We can live with that. But Tyree Wilson coming off the edge, and again, I know he had an illness. He didn't have a lot of snaps coming into this game. He's got to get going because if you look at him taking in the first round, number seven overall, then we take a defensive tackle out of Alabama right. who's supposed to have an impact the young players, I haven't seen a lot out of them yet, other than snap count and playing hard and hustling to the ball. I think other teams are looking at them and trying to get those one-on-one -on -one battles. Well, let's be fair. Let's be honest, guys. Tyree Wilson, coming from Texas Tech, had probably not played against a hierarchy of left tackles that are in the National Football League. Good point. When you're talking about the best of the best, that's generally where they put the left tackle. That's who the left tackle is, supposed to be the best of their offensive linemen. And the reason why he's over there, obviously, you know, the history of it and it goes back to LT when he when he he sacked it, you know, and and broke the quarterback's legs. You know, you know what I mean? It goes back to those days. The reason why the importance of left tackle is. But you've got to give Tyree Wilson a chance. He's going to take his lumps because he's never played against that top-tier talent. He's got to learn how to play. He's got to learn what he's what he can do well, what he can do well against other people. It's going to take time. So that's why I've never really put a whole lot of emphasis into rookies. I know what we expect when you draft them top 10. I get it. But I don't put a lot of emphasis because they have to learn the speed of this game. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you come from or what you did. You got to learn the speed of this game. We seem to put an emphasis more on these days on the Ohio State, the Clemson, the mm -hmm. Alabama players because we say, well, because you had a national championship and you went on a long run, maybe you're that much more geared for the life of the National Football League. To me, that's a bunch of BS because the only way that you can get gear for the National Football League is to play in the National Football League. And it's going to take time for Bennett and Wilson and all those other guys to catch up to the speed to make an impact. I'll say this. We're only three games into the season. Right. 
I'm not ready to toss up the panic flag or the surrender flag and say everything's all over. But there are some things that need to be changed because aside from the Chargers this week, the following three games are winnable. Yes. And if we if we could find a way, if we could find a way to be the beat the Chargers and find a way to, you know, a couple of weeks later have a five and three record or a five and two record or whatever it is, you know, I mean the six and two, whatever it is, how we get to that point. Then, then we'll be looking back on this and say, "Well, we didn't. I'm glad we didn't raise a panic flag or didn't do it." But, but we've got to turn things around. You've got to be different. You can't go along the same mentality that you had. And for defense, does that mean you have to be more aggressive? If that's the case, you're going to put your corners and your safeties on an open end. Well, I don't know if we still have a, a, a valuable player who can cover the tight ends. But we're going into a game, a number of notable games that tight ends are awfully impressive in the mm-hmm. established offenses that we're going up against. Well, for the Raiders, offensively, Devontae was fantastic. I mean, he was the guy. He was the number one target for Jimmy. He was the number two target for Jimmy. I mean, he was there all day long and always found his way to get open. I don't really think you can ask too much more from him. But, I mean, he's, he's putting in all the work right now. Just what are you seeing from Devontae? Well, I mean, it's it's following along the lines we saw last year. I mean, right. this is the reason why he's all pro, why he's going to be a, a future Hall of Famer. The guy's good. But if you take a page out of the way the defenses are playing, you know, they they call they play a lot what I call trail technique, where they have a guy underneath and they've got a safety over the top, which means if you're to have two guys on one, somebody else has got to be open. And more importantly, it comes up to the quarterback's discretion, Jimmy G, where are you going to go with the football? You can't be so predictable to where you see – one-on-one coverage, you see a high safety that you can think that you can get the ball to number 17 all the time. Because just like in the last interception, you forced the ball. You should not have thrown it. You know what I mean? But you're, you're, you're under duress. You're panicking. You're trying to bring the team back involved. You've got to do something different. You've got to establish someone different. And, not, you know, look, for so far out of these three games, we've got Devontae Adams and we've got J- Jacoby Myers. Right. And he was out of the Buffalo game. Somebody else has got to stand up. You've got to find a way to get a, to to get someone involved. And look, when Josh Jacobs is covered by a linebacker or has it draped over, he's not a checkdown. He's covered. You got to go somewhere else. I mean, this happened in the Buffalo game where he got an interception. It almost happened in the Pittsburgh game where 55 was draped all over Josh Jacobs and he was able to get that football in. So, um, one of the things that I, you know I feel for Jimmy, he's got to keep the ball up on the crossing routes because a lot of times the guys are going real low to catch mm-hmm. him. He's got to keep the ball up. And more importantly, he's got to keep the ball the place where the guys can run after the catch. Give them a chance to make a play. Don't have it all fall on your shoulders. All right, we have some sound after the game. Q, you were in the locker yeah. room. Here's Devontae Adams post game. You know, it's tough because this this is a really good team. We have a lot of potential. I would say that you're not a good team until you, you prove it. But uh, this team has some potential. We got the players. We just got to figure out how to play together uh, on both sides of the ball and stop putting ourselves in, in such um, tough to overcome positions, you know, and we, we had way too many of those today. And, you know, whether it's penalties or, you know, sacks or, you know, we didn't make the play outside, whatever it was, got to take care of the ball. And it's just, that's not how you, you know, you, you, we look at all these analytics and all these things, teams that have won with the, you know, the turnover battle and all these things. And it don't mean shit until you go out there and you play ball. And we just, we, we having a tough time consistently doing that right now. And I don't want to act like it's all crazy. It's, you know, it's week three, but, I don't got time to wait around, you know, and it's not a personal thing. I mean, it is a personal thing, but it ain't just about me. But I mean, it's not my mentality to sit here and try to take all season to figure it out. You use these early games like this to establish our identity. And we are uh, we not doing things the right way to, to establish a winning culture um, early in the season. So we got to do something to, to turn that around. That is a make or break soundbite. Yeah. And I told my producer on radio to save that one a day ago because 
he's right. It, one of two things are going to happen. That's the moment. I'm not waiting around to hear anymore. We got to get going, and right. everybody in that locker room link's going to follow him. I covered you in the locker room after losses. You were not happy. Gannon was a menace to deal with, a menace when he was losing. He didn't like it, and that's where I started with this organization, watching guys after a loss, and it was rare back in your day, and you could sense in the locker room that there were guys who were really uptight and wanted to get back into the classroom, into the film room, and correct everything. Do you believe the culture in that locker room with these players, Lincoln, are to get back to work and correct this quickly before the schedule gets away from them? I believe some of them have that hate-to-lose mentality. Mm -hmm. Okay, I don't know of all of them. I don't see it out of all of them. You know, when I heard the, the, the stories about last week's practice after the Bills game, how Josh said, you know what, we're going to be more physical, and he had a physical week of practice, I can get behind that. I can, mm -hmm. I can see that. I haven't seen it translate on the field. You know, the thing is, is that, look, Max Crosby is normally not a bad player, but he got a 15-yard penalty that kept the drive going. I know that's not indicative of Max. I'm not saying that's mm -hmm. going to happen all the time. We, we understand that. You know, Devontae Adams dropped the ball. That's not indicative of Devontae. We know who the playmakers are because we've seen them. Now we have to see it carry through the entire team. I'm not, every, not saying that every guy needs to be a standout. But here's the thing. You know, this goes down from coaching down to players. If you, if you know you've got a disruptive force at number 90, why would you ever isolate your right tackle on number 90? Right. Why would you give him that? If you've seen the way that he comes off the corner and you've seen it time and time again, TJ Watt does the same exact thing. He cuts the corner and you see how your right tackle plays. Your right tackle turns at the seam, giving him a short corner. Why would you do that? Why would you ever not have someone on his side or around him to help him block number 90 to take him out the game? That falls on coaching. You see what I'm saying? Now you talk about the execution when you get out there. Okay, sometimes number 72, you're going to be on your own. You're going to have to stand up and, and be a man. This is what you want. This is the pro style. You got to do it. You can't get your quarterback killed. There was a point there where I didn't think Jimmy G was going to finish the football game. And when he took that one hit, it had to come off the sideline. So, I mean, these are things that you have to think about if going forward or just on the offense. We've got a quarterback who has a history of being injury prone. We need to do the utmost thing to protect him. Right. That would be my philosophy. I'm sitting in the line. I, I got to do everything. If I got to get a holding call or or, or whatever, mm -hmm. I have to bite, scratch, you know, whatever I need to do to stop that defensive end, I need to make sure he doesn't get on my quarterback. So that's the attitude we need to take unanimously as a team. When you've got one-on-one -on -one yeah. coverage, I'm not going to get beat. When I need to get to the quarterback, it's time for me to get to court. It's third down and eight. I got to get to the quarterback. I got to get. I got to find a way to 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 you know negate this play so this team gets off. We haven't seen that yet. And I'd go back to the days where if guys aren't going to play in preseason, it's hard to build that team building concept. And if you come into the regular season, you're going to take your lumps in the first month of games because we've seen for the most part offenses have, offenses have struggled in this first month because they're not there's not a, a lot of consistency you know, to, to what they're doing. And so they're trying to find their way. One of the things, going back to the Raiders locker room, that Max said following the game is guys need to finish plays and they need to be doing the right things and locked in. That kind of told yep. me a lot. Felt like that everybody wasn't on the same page as far as he was concerned. Well, I mean, that's probably so, Q. I mean, the thing is, is that without having the privilege in the locker room, you don't know exactly what they're speaking of or what they're talking about. But I've been on teams where everyone's not locked in mm -hmm. and we don't win. Look, this is this is the greatest team game that you can possibly imagine. Why? Because it takes 11 individuals to perform as one. And any coach will tell you that if one guy falls off, he becomes the weakest link. We're not as strong as we should be. 
And I think that's what the Raiders are facing. The Raiders had, you know, two out of the three games I could say were winnable. I think they were mm-hmm. outmatched against Buffalo. For sure. But Buffalo's the upper tier, upper tier of the AFC. So if you want to be the best, you've got to beat the best. And until the Raiders get to that point to where they're challenging, they've got a long way to go. Well, a guy who beat all the best was Ken Stabler, and the pregame was amazing. You know, you're, yeah. I'm, I was privileged to be down on the sideline and looking around. And when you see Stabler's family there, the Grand Snakes were there, <laughs> the kids, and Kendra, Kim. It was fun to just see how their eyes lit up, and they understood the magnitude of him being honored. He was magnitude because Mark Davis petitioned the Hall of Fame to get all deceased players' rings, and then Mark stepped up and got him the rings. I think it's a huge legacy play for Mark, and he doesn't want to talk about it. I've been bringing it up because people who don't know Mark don't get how much this means to him, and that was incredible. So they had that, and then I'm sitting there listening to the crowd. Right, I want to hear who's getting the loud one. So yeah. they pray Fred Bolitnikoff. The roof almost comes up. Right. Marcus Allen, the yeah. place is going crazy. Charles Woodson, but there's Kendra holding up the ring. And Mark was really proud for this as the family looked on. And I thought that was really appropriate mm-hmm. pregame. This is what the Raiders do, Lincoln, and you've been a part of it. You've lit the torch, obviously, in Oakland. You know how important it is to the legacy of this team and their valued alumni, and that was a perfect example of it. One of the things I've always appreciated about this organization and is that it's family rooted and family oriented and it's about the family and the players are part of the family and the fan base, the Raider nation is part of the family. And the thing is, is that I'm so proud of Mark to get this done. We had, when they were alive, two unbelievable players in Cliff Branch and Ken Stabler that would deserve to be in the hall of fame. And their ballot got passed for so many times, so many times. And it's unfortunate that they're no longer with us to enjoy the the, the magnitude of the situation. But I've always been impressed by seeing the number of uh, gold jackets, especially the guys I had a ple- pleasure of playing with, you know, or playing against Richard Seymour, Charles Woodson, Timmy Brown and stuff like that. You know, those guys are close to me, but so is Pops. You know, so mm-hmm. is the stork. So, mm-hmm. so is Freddie B. You know, going back with the organization. Um, and, and we've always been tight. And it's like nothing ever falls off from alumni weekend to these events when you see guys in the, in the hotel. Hey, man, you know, former Raiders. Once a Raider, always a Raider. And that's one thing that I've always loved and appreciated about this organization. All right, quick one, Link, on the way out. Uh, give us one key to the game in Los Angeles. We don't know about Jimmy G's in protocol. Big right. topic we got to get with you on Hoyer, Aiden O'Connell, next yeah. man up if Jimmy can't go. What do the Raiders need to do in L.A. to pull out a, a big-time victory to get back to 500? They're going to have to get physical on the inside. They're going to have to be able to run between the tackles and have a balanced offense. The offense that you're going up against, even without Austin Eckler, can still be balanced in the Chargers, and we know what their quarterback is capable of. So they're going to have to control the clock. And I'm just waiting for for it to come out, for it to happen, like it happened in Seattle last year, and there Mm -hmm. are other games where it happened, where this offense just takes control. I'm not sure how they're going to do it, guys. I don't know if they have the personnel to do it. Let's play it that way. To me, Van Roten is still too high and out of his two-point stance. He's, I think he stands at six, 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 seven. He needs to be down on three-point stance. You need to come off the football. You, you, to me, he's catching too much. But I can critique every single offensive lineman. It's not for me to do. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things where if you're turning around for the rest of the season and you've got 14 games left, you better figure it out or you're not going to go anywhere fast. As always, he's amazing. Yes. Thank you, Lincoln. We'll see you. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks, man. Anytime, guys. Be well. The great Lincoln Kennedy. Watch. Great stuff. It is great, great stuff. stuff. You know? The toughness. Lincoln's yeah. talking about being tough and physical. Yep. We'll stay on that because we'll preview the Chargers. We'll look at the rest of the AFC West as we continue on Raiders Roundtable. 
We're back on Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. That's Q Myers. I'm JT. Thanks again to Lincoln Kennedy. As we take a look and go around the AFC West, would you rather talk about Kelsey and Taylor Swift? <laughs> no. Which is breaking the internet, by Unbelievable, the way. I yeah. I told my wife, I'm going, why were there? My wife laughed at me. She goes, why? She goes, there were 30,000 fans trying right. to get in at the stadium to see her right. when they found out she was there. And then I was just telling Q, it's like, wouldn't it be great to get Chicago early like Kansas City did right. as they're struggling? But we expect Kansas City to win games like this, and they did. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. Kind of knew that it was going to be what it is. Chicago Chicago's in a bad place right now, right? Their organization is, you know, they're, they're ans- looking for questions as well. Uh, so, yeah, didn't expect uh, Kansas City to do anything but dominate this game. Well, as we're looking at some of the, the highlights, if you're watching on YouTube, got just the trickeration and the way Mahomes, it's such pitch and catch. Yeah. And it's so easy, Q, and that's what the Raiders are trying to stop. Chicago couldn't. All teams is they throw people open. Mm-hmm. Mahomes throws receivers, backs, Tight ends open, and in right. this game, their defense came up big for them. Come up with some big plays, those tip balls, and, and that's something I say all the time. Like the really good teams find ways to come up with those tip balls. That when the ball's in the air and the play is there to be made, they come up with them. And more times than not, you see teams like Kansas City coming up with those big plays. Yeah, only 87 yards rushing for them. Kelsey got a touchdown there. The crowd's going crazy. The box is going crazy. Well, Taylor Swift's there, and that right. got, his jersey sales are up 400 percent because of that. That was a big storyline. Like the two biggest stories in sports is prime. Coach Prime yeah. at Colorado and yeah. Taylor Swift at a Kansas City game. What a business we chose. That's right. what people want to talk about. But Kansas City is rolling. As we continue in the rest of the division, I look at what's happening with Denver and Oof. wow. Oof. Wow. Yep. 70 points. I don't want to say I was right, but I will. Everybody claimed who loved Denver to make the playoffs this year. Raiders beat them seven in a row. Right. I knew that they had problems, and everybody thought that Sean Payton was going to come in and fix it instantly. He wasn't able to do it, but Tua really lit up that Denver defense, and their principles on the back end broke down in this game as we're looking at a Tyreek Hill touchdown. You know, the funny thing about it is the defense for Denver is pretty good, right? I mean, that's what we keep hearing, how good they are. They have some guys like Patrick Satan Jr. who's got, uh, you know, makes plays, but they did, like you said, the principles just broke down. They looked like they wanted nothing to do with trying to stop and slow down Miami on Sunday, and you think that Tua, who's playing out of his mind right now, just playing fantastic ball, you think he may have heard those Sean Payton comments about uh, Teddy Bridgewater was going to replace him at some point? Point that he said while he was part of the Fox broadcast last year? 23 of 26. Yeah. I mean, again, he's throwing to guys who are wide open. The defense is playing well. Mike McDaniels has great play calling. He's keeping everybody off balance. Mm-hmm. And he's turning into one of the best play calling head coaches in football. Yeah. And we're going to have to play them down in South Beach. Right. Raiders are going down there to play them at some point in time. That game's going to be a tough task. And that'll be a game where the Raiders will want to run the ball and take the air out of the ball because this Miami team is doing whatever they want on They offense. are a track team out there, right? They're a 4 by 100 team out yeah. there on the grass. I mean, they, that speed on that team would definitely make Al Davis proud, right? I mean, that's you want to talk about speed, speed, and more speed. They haven't. They didn't even have Jalen Waddle on mm-hmm. Sunday, and they still were out there dominating like they did. Chargers should have lost again. Yeah. Uh, Staley went for it on four down. They didn't get it. Gave the ball back to Kirk Cousins, and I can't believe that Minnesota didn't win the what game. What does Staley keep doing? He's doing it because... I just and that's don't a, get it. It's a great point you're making. We know he's going to do it coming up this Sunday against yeah. the Raiders. Yeah. So let's get that in the front of our head. He's going to go for it on fourth down, but I don't think he would have survived 
I really don't. Right. I don't think he would have survived and been able to coach this game if they lost that game, and they bailed him out. And it's not the first time no. the Chargers bailed him out. Mike Williams is out for the year yeah. with an injury. Sad to see that. You never want to see a player gone for the year. But Keenan Allen, Q, 18 receptions. We thought Devontae had a big game with right. targets. 215 yards and a touchdown, and he threw a touchdown pass. Right. I mean, look, they have the weapons to put points up on the board, and that's what the Raiders are going to have to go up against next week. They're going to have to be able to score with them, right? But uh, they just seem like they always find a way to allow a team to hang around. And there's really, in my opinion, no reason why the Minnesota Vikings didn't win this game. But, uh, you know, they didn't. So uh, the Chargers pick up their first victory of the season. Uh, but they still, I think they have a lot of question marks with this team as well. They do. I have a lot of respect for their quarterback. I think if he has yeah. a clean pocket, he could just take you apart. Yep. And the Raiders have to make sure coming into this game that they get after him in a big way. Kellen Moore is another thing, too. Uh, you know, the offensive coordinator there in L.A., there's been times where the Chargers could have salted away the game with the running game, and he just can't help himself but right. to throw the ball. So, it, you know, it, again, that allows teams to hang around there as well. Well, the Chargers escaped that game because mm-hmm. here's Kirk Cousins with the game on the line, and you know he throws an interception. It's deflected in the end zone there to their best player, short of the end zone. Mm-hmm. Short of the end zone, he wouldn't have got in. But Cousins had the ball, yep. and they're 0-3 because they couldn't score, and they got a gift handed to them. Yeah. And now that team's in trouble. Another team the Raiders will see later on the year at home. They've turned the ball over so many times this year. I mean, that's the story of the Vikings uh, season so far. The reason they're 0-3 is all those turnovers. What, 8 or 9 mm-hmm. in 3 games? You can't have that. You can't. We, I mean, we talk about the Raiders and their turnovers that they had on Sunday. You can't lose a turnover battle and think you're going to win the game. Let's take a look at the AFC West standings, and the Raiders are right there, 1-2. and two. They're going to need a game at the Chargers. If the Chargers win, they'll go to 2-2. Two and two. The Raiders would go to 1-3. and three. Imperative, the Raiders win this game. Yep. And Denver's 0-3, but they're at Chicago, and the Raiders are going to be at Chicago in not-too-distant future here, so I'm really interested in seeing what happens in that game. Someone's got to win the game there, right. and we'll see if Chicago can do that at home. Kansas City gets a break. When the schedule came out, that was one of the biggest games of the year. Yeah. Rodgers versus Mahomes, and now Joe Namath is calling out Zach Wilson, as you know, and I don't even know how much longer he's going to have. Maybe the Jets make a trade, but it won't be before this game. So Raiders and Chargers queue. In an AFC West showdown, now the good news is that'll be a Raider home game, a yep. home crowd, no doubt. Yep. We know that. We don't know who's going to play quarterback. So right. I'm hoping, and we thank you for watching and listening, that as we get to the end of the week, Jimmy G clears protocol. But right. I've been taught recently that it's tough for quarterbacks to clear protocol. Yeah. How important is this topic going forward? Because Josh McDaniels has to have both of them ready to go on the road coming up quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think he has to have all three of these guys ready to rock and roll, right? I mean, Aiden O'Connell's been inactive the first two games. He's been that emergency yeah. quarterback, so he's been available, but only in emergency case. So everyone's got to have all hands on deck. And the thing about it is, JT, like I mentioned, the Raiders have to find a way to score. They've scored less than 20 points in all three games. Games, you've got to be able to score points in the NFL in 2023. The Chargers can score. They're going to find a way to keep you in the game, but they can score some points. So the Raiders are going to have to put some points up, whether it's Jimmy G, Brian Hoyer, Aiden O'Connell. They've got to get things together. And the Raiders got to play more physical. Yep. They need a big play. We've been talking yep. about the turnover. They've been close here, but now it has to happen in this game. And they got to play the way other teams are coming. I wanted to end by saying this. You know, that locker room is together. You're in that locker yeah. room. You see it afterwards. Yep. Devontae was lightly concussed. He cleared protocol in Buffalo. Jacoby missed a game, and Jimmy G's in protocol. 
Someone's got to look around and say, our guys are getting hit. Right. Our guys are getting injured. They're going into protocol. we got to come out and match the energy of the other team physically. Physical, yeah. This is the moment in the season where the Raiders have to have a gut check yep. on the road in front of the L.A. L.A. Raider fans and the Vegas fans and the Bay Area fans and take over SoFi and have a performance all I ask for is a good game. Yeah. Play beginning to the final gun. Play a great game. And if you lose, you lose. But play better than we've seen this year. The trenches have to be physical, more physical than we've seen so far. The offensive line and defensive line have to find a way to dominate. Lincoln Kennedy said it best in uh, the previous segment that we were talking to him. The guards, they have to play better. The run game's got to get going. We know what Josh can do running downhill, but he's got to get a little bit of daylight. He can't just create everything. Again, he's dancing in the backfield, four yards in the backfield, before he ever gets going. Thanks for watching. Thanks for Listen and follow all the Raider platforms at Raiders.com, and we'll be back next week on Raiders Roundtable.